And what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the LWE Podcast here. And I'm excited to uh, to have a two-time guest here with me on the LWE Podcast. You know, we've been doing a lot of player interviews with former Abbeville Panther football players. And we've had some uh, some good memories, some good times. But one of my most talked about podcasts that we've done was with Coach Mark Smith. And we went over his career with uh, Abbeville Panther baseball. And uh, today I'm so happy to have Coach Smith back with me. And we're going to spend some time talking some football since we are kind of in a semi-holding pattern, waiting to play another state championship here with Abbeville and Marion coming up real soon as this thing is being recorded. Um, so we're kind of in just uh, la-la land here. But Coach Smith, thank you for coming back and uh, sitting down with me and, and shooting the breeze with me some. Yeah, Lee, it's great to be here. I certainly appreciate another opportunity, and it is exciting as uh, we get ready to uh, – Play another state championship. We've kind of been put on hold with it a little bit, but we just finished up uh, a good week of prep. Coach Nick always does a, a real good job with the bye weeks as far as resting the kids and knowing what to do and what not to do. So um, it's good to be here, and we're excited about next Friday night. Well, you know, we're going to be talking about a lot of things, some, some former players, teams, some of the coaches that you had a chance to work with. but. Obviously, this has been a difficult year. It's been a strange year. It's been a year like nothing else we've ever experienced um, with football. So I guess my first question as far as where we are right now, what was that feeling when that final, you know, final second ticked off against Gray Collegiate in the Upper State Championship like compared to these other years where, you know, we've won Upper State Championships and stuff? It had to be somewhat surreal because you don't have people coming on the field you don't have, you, there's a lot of the the usual traditional stuff that just doesn't go on it's satisfying I'm sure but it, it had to feel a little bit different from a coach's perspective it did you know it's uh you know our guys I think our coaches were kind of looking around for their families to celebrate and you know that was a no-no this year but um you know Playing at Heights Stadium and having the crowd behind us that we always have, that part was no different. All right. And I think uh, the effort of our kids certainly was no different. They've, uh, golly, just played well each and every Friday night. And I, I think uh, certainly led by Coach Nichols, um, he's kind of channeled this year into, hey, you don't know when next week, you, what you might get next week, so we got to be ready on Friday night. And our guys certainly have answered the bell every Friday night. So, um, you know, it, it was a little different, but uh, winning an upper state, no matter how you uh, it's not have to do it, it's not easy. And, uh, you know, it never gets old right. to have a chance to be in the final two. So uh, it was a, another cool night at Heights Stadium. Well, you're kind of, you're in, uh, was it like, this is like year 40? This is 37. 37? I knew it was somewhere in the ballpark where you've been involved with the varsity team. You did some student coaching. I did, And junior varsity coaching. Actually, when we won it in 81, um, I would come down on Friday afternoon and Coach Jameson would give me $10 for gas and $10 to eat on. And I was driving a... Uh, silver gremlin at the time <laughs> with a hatchback that rattled around and would come loose in the back when oh, you're riding man. down the road. But uh, I would go scout for Coach Hendricks um, next week's game. And uh, I don't know, I thought I was in the NFL. So uh, yeah. it's been a lot of years between those gremlin trips. But, uh, you know, Well, you just think like four decades and so much has changed. I mean, you know, 
always say so much has changed, but Abbeville really hasn't changed. There's a lot of things that are not here that used to be, and and obviously things are a little bit different here and there. But um, when I run into coaches, you know, that maybe I don't see real often, they say, how's things in Abbeville? And I always tell them things in Abbeville haven't changed a whole lot, and that's a great thing. Yeah. And uh, especially on the football side of things, you know, we're fortunate that it – really brings our community together. Um, Gosh, just the relationships that I've been fortunate to have with so many great kids. And, you know, you walk out of that locker room, the back of that athletic building, it never gets old going down those steps and and getting ready to play there. And, uh, you know, we've been fortunate to play well on the road too, but it's it's nothing like a night at Hyatt Stadium. Well, and it's cool too, because you've got kind of a a unique mix. You've got guys all these guys, most of these guys that are around you, you've had some part in their football journey from a coaching perspective. That's right. Just about all the guys on our staff, I've coached my junior year at Erskine or my sophomore year. It's been so many. Um, I came down and coached the JV team, and Coach Nichols was on the JV team. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and you know, then you go to. Tony Temple, Wayne Botts, and BB, and Tanko, and Tim Collins, and all those guys. Uh, 84. And I yeah. mean, you know, just um, I don't know, just been a. <clears throat> I hope I've been a big part of their life because they certainly have mine. Well, you know? I'm, I want I want to go back to 1980, and, and <laughs> would you, if you can think that far back and remember that far, and I know your memory is is dynamite, but would you ever thought you'd still be doing this for almost 40 years later? <laughs> um, you know, because there's probably a lot of thoughts back back during that time. You you just get glad to get to do it something. Is. Well, first of all, you know, I was blessed to come here at a good time, and it's been a you know a great community to live in, to raise a family in, to work in. I've had some opportunities maybe to uh, go to other schools, but uh, just couldn't do it. I don't yeah. I don't think I could ever coach against an Abbeville team in any sport. And, uh, <laughs> That'd be weird. I don't know. It, it really would. It just you know it gets in your blood. And, uh, you know, I did think uh, if the good Lord blesses me uh, long enough, I'd like to do this for, for a long time. And uh, he certainly has blessed me. Yeah. And you've been able to be a part of so many great memories. You know, oftentimes we get into a lot of conversations or I get in a lot of conversations with people as far as the history of Abbeville football. And I know Benji Greason did a great book. He kind of went back and retraced a lot of the history of Abbeville through the, through the decades. But... You know, a lot of people seem to think sometimes nowadays because you just have that many younger people around that Abbeville football started in the 90s and they don't realize that it was it was a real interesting journey when they won the state championship in 71. They had just integrated. Is that's that right? right? That's right. And, and so that, that was kind of yeah. a uh, new chapter. And they were two years in 3A, yeah, which the, a lot of people forget about too. That's right. The movie Remember the Titans, um, I've had a lot of people tell me, could have been written about Abbeville. Yeah. You know, so... And uh, so you go, and then you go into that that eighty season. And Coach Hendricks was here. Talk a little bit about working with Coach Hendricks uh, during that early time there. Uh, Coach Hendricks and I are still close. Um, I don't see him as as much uh, at church and things now, because of the quarantine time. But uh, what a tremendous guy! What a tremendous role model! A tremendous football coach. You know, when you think about it, I've been fortunate to be an assistant coach to three head coaches that won over a hundred football games. That's crazy. All three of them. Yeah. And. Uh, but Coach Hendricks, you know, I remember playing at 96 and uh, just 
kind of in awe of him, you know, and the success that uh, that he had. I tell people I can remember listening to Buck's scoreboard and Fletcher Ferguson would do the report at the end of the game and he would always say something like, the Panthers won 28 to nothing and they rushed for 417 yards and had 32 first downs and Chapin rushed for six and had one first down. Mm. Coach Hendricks, the only guy I know that could have the stats that far in his favor and not beat you more than 28 to nothing because he was not going to rub it in. Yeah. And uh, just a class guy all the way around and a tremendous track coach as well. Um, just many fond memories of Coach Hendricks and uh, what he did for me, especially giving me an opportunity that's lasted this long. What about some of the things you remember from that, <clears throat> that 1981 season? I remember we still have a clock that was made. It had the gold plate on it. it had a Panthers head and it had all the scores on there. Um, Sherry's got a uh, framed mural. One of the buttons too. They had the buttons at that time back then. Yeah, I, I can't remember uh, the artist's name, um, but it's a framed mural of High Stadium and Coach Hendricks and raising the trophy and just real cool, yeah. you know. That uh, of course, I, I think that was her senior year. So. Um, yeah, I mean, they were um, – I remember scouting. I, t I told this story when they had a roast for Coach Hendricks one time. Um, I went to H.E. Uh, McCracken High School to see McCracken play Wade Hampton in the Lower State Championship. Once again, I was in that – Rattletrap, Silver, Grin. Because you didn't have video swapping back then. That's right. And no so, huddle or anything. You know, and Coach Hendricks try to get there early and uh, see if you can get a hang time on punts and see if you can maybe hear their snap count and just pick up any little things that you might not be able to pick up with the crowd. Well, anyway, I was running late and I ended up making the wrong turn, ended up in Charleston. Um, I remember stopping at on the side of the road that I thought was a gas station, turned out to be a beer joint. I walked in and said, could anybody tell me uh, how to get to H.E. McCracken High School? And the guy said, are you going this direction? And pointed, and I said, yes. He said, stay straight and you can't miss it. And I said, thanks. And he said, about 80 miles. And so I got there at the half, and when the band went out on the field, I ran up and sat down, and uh, my directions were to meet the Woodruff coaches, uh, the Woodruff scouts, on the 50 after the game, and we would call back and see who won. Uh, I think Woodruff had about five scouts, and it was just me, and uh, I met them, and uh, we were able to call uh, the Greenwood Police Department, and uh, they said Abbeville won because the game was played at Greenwood High School. The upper state yeah. championships played at Greenwood High School. I got back in that Gremlin and came all the way down. Coach Hendricks was uh, living on the old Abbeville Highway, and I saw that old, I think it's 13-millimeter projector yeah. ticking when I pulled up. And uh, he and I sat on the steps and talked about Oh, wow. And uh, I remember it was early in the morning. I came on up. Um, and ate breakfast here in Abbeville before I went back to Erskine. But uh, a lot of cool memories. The next week, he gave me the opportunity to be on the sidelines for a state championship game. We beat Wade Hampton yeah. six to nothing. Yep, thriller. Uh, yeah, that's right. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, the, the game was a little different back then. Oh, yeah. um, you know, it certainly was uh, 
run first offenses, and we still are, but uh, it was really run first back then. And coaches' teams always played dynamic defense. You know, if you got a first down, you know, you considered yourself lucky. Yeah. And I could, you know, I could say that from playing against his team. So many really good players. Um, but even back then, the, the following that the Abbeville football team had was second to none. And, uh, you know, that's, like you said, carried on since. Yeah. And uh, Friday nights are special. Yeah. And <clears throat> it really was interesting because the the teams back in then, because a lot of – you'd probably ask a lot of the guys who played in the last 10 or 12 years, you tell them some of these teams and they're like, who was that? They wouldn't know teams like they wouldn't remember how good Woodruff was they wouldn't remember like a shape a Chapin and mid-Carolina how I mean that was those were wars when you went up against those guys and Pendleton back in the day and And those players on those teams were aware that some of our present players might not know it I know my buddy Scott White always tells me all the when we would play Woodruff he'd say look uh to us old guys um this is pretty special. Yeah. So let's make sure we're ready Friday night. I remember the last time <clears throat> that Coach Varner coached them here. We hadn't played them in many years. And uh, I remember that was his last year that he was coaching at Woodruff. Right. And they they come walking down uniform style down that hill. And you just didn't see that from a lot of other teams. And everybody's like, there he is. There he yeah, is. They, he, uh, he had a presence to him. You know, Woodruff and, and some of those schools, but especially them, probably had as many traditions as we have here. Sure. You know, and uh, you know, and the word dynasty certainly was mentioned uh, with some of those Woodruff teams because he was he was legendary, and uh, a lot of Coach Hendricks teams battled those Woodruff teams, yeah. and then in '81 finally got over to got home. Got over to home. And, yeah. uh, you know, they were kind of like. Uh, they were kind of like the Page and Centrals. That's you know, right. Kind of just That's right. play them tough, tough, That's tough, right. and just it was hard to get That's that, right. hard to get that win. Yeah, but. I mean, when <clears throat> I guess the only time we've ever beaten Pageland, they've been a nemesis for us, and uh, that's one of my all-time biggest wins, just yeah. because it was so tough to yeah. beat Al Usher in that bunch. You yeah. know, I mean, um, <clears throat> I know some of the guys. My brother, obviously, he played during um, during that time frame, but. He's always he's always told me he said you know Urban Bryson was one of the best to ever ever be out on that field as far as just complete complete athlete and stuff and absolutely um, Urban's he's an entrepreneur he's he's got his hand in different things all the time he's had success in coaching and and, and still giving back and stuff um, what were some memories about him yeah you? <clears throat> I was thinking about this morning you know some of those guys when you're fortunate to. Uh, have the success that we've had because I think if I'm not mistaken I remember Danny Ford came to a game one year because daddy was doing the PA and I was sitting in the PA box and I remember Danny came up and got up on top of the press box and everybody was like that's right they didn't know what to do real interested (laughs) that was how different it was back then (laughs) that's right real interested in Irvin Irvin was uh, one of the first really big backs that could fly Mm -hmm. he probably was 190 200 pounds um and you know, he was a, a all-state athlete in four sports. 
was a real good center fielder for us in baseball, 100 meter and 200 meter champion, um, all region basketball player, but a tremendous uh, running back in free safety. Yeah. And you know, just size and speed and strength and uh, just a love for the game. That's carried over, Urban's coached at several different levels yeah. and uh, just the game's in his blood. And um, I'm sure Urban would say one of the big reasons is Coach Hendricks. Mm-hmm. Coach Hendricks um, was uh, really a mentor for yeah. Irvin and um, you know, but a tremendous player he yeah. really was. And a lot of those guys <clears throat> talked about Coach DeBose and Coach Nichols early on in the '80s, and you know, guys like that. I still, you know, I grew up with because my brother hung out with them and knew them in school. But Darren Lewis and Darren Hughes and a lot of these guys, Jeff Lewis, all these guys, and they always talk finally of Coach Hendrickson. That's right. How special he was. Yeah, and those, all those guys are still around and still. Tremendous supporters. Oh yeah! And uh, when they called last week and said that our game was postponed, I know they were kicked in the gut just like we were. Yeah. I mean, you know, they they enjoy the wins, uh, uh, and they're always there. So um, I don't know. Like I like I have already said, for lack of a better word, I know I've used it about five times. It's just special. Yeah. And we have really been blessed around here, football wise. Well, as things would come and things would go, things would change in the '80s, and you know. Like I said, we had some great players that come through, but the team-wise, we just the numbers were not as there as consistent as as a lot of people may remember here recently. Um, and then we get into a transition transitional time. Coach Hendricks uh, steps away. Um, we had had Jay Phelps Jay for Phelps one year. Yeah, because I remember him because uh, Tim that was Tim he coached. That's uh, right. JV yeah. did student coaching with yeah. JV, and the guys on that team that he had in JV were your Chuck Goodwins and. And, and right. all these guys, Dewan uh, Sanders, all these guys that were down there. Um, but um, but but Coach Botts gets to come in. Um, and it was 1989. 1989. And really, a lot of people, a lot of people remember that season because it was a winless season, and they kind of felt like that. That's the only. But there was a lot to that season because not only that was his first season. I imagine that from a coaching perspective, it was frustrating too because there was a lot of. It was just a lot of hard stuff that were going on during that season, but I think it helped define where the where the program went after oh, that. Oh yeah, no question. I think you're exactly right. We had, if I remember correctly, 19 academic casualties. Yeah. And um, in the transition period, you know, from Jay to Dennis. And uh, so we probably would have had a, a pretty good football team. We had a bunch of players that were ineligible, but uh, we had, uh, you know, Brandon Thompson, Scott Broom, some of those guys that stayed the course. Sure. Uh, Dennis always said uh, it was a successful homecoming. We lost, but we only had two girls in homecoming, and both of them got something. <laughs> and I remember Coach Bott saying that. And, uh, you know, we just, uh, you know, uh, maybe uh, very little, but we gained on it a little bit. Yeah. You know, his style of coaching was taking over the physicalness, the the way that you had to He was to hard, learn. man. He, he was, was hard. It was tough. Yeah. You know, he was he was tough. And um, but the next year, uh, nineteen ninety. We ended up 10 and 2 mm-hmm. and uh, went from 0 and 11 to 10 and 2. Lost in the first round of the playoffs at, at Page. At Page. Cold. <laughs> freezing cold. Got beat down there 6 to nothing. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, those two years, 89 and 90, certainly 
springboarded into 1991. But you can um, feel a change. That's right. Yeah. And, and so those several of those guys had tasted the bitterness of the 0 and 11 to the success of 1990 and then were even more hungry. I remember the weight room being full during Christmas holidays. Yeah. And so you could just kind of see, hey, we're going to be pretty good. We, yeah. You know, we got some good leadership. And, uh, and then we had a kid by the name of Leomont Evans that transferred back in 1990 um, yeah. from, he had he, he started for us as a freshman and moved to Stone Mountain, Georgia, and then came back as a junior in 90. And, and uh, you know, we had a bunch of really good players around him, a bunch of playmakers, but uh, he was a difference maker. Yeah. And, uh, and that really helped us. And uh, Dennis was <clears throat> a tremendous guy, you know, very smart. Um, just we still use um, a lot of uh, his verbiage in yeah. what we do to this day yeah. and it's uh, it's not many days that go by in the locker room um, where you know he's not mentioned yeah. and uh, you don't want to make sure he's not forgotten I can look back sometimes and see Wayne coming out the door uh, if I'm down on the field and he's coming out of the locker room and he resembles his daddy a lot and for a second he, he walks, Sounds like his daddy a lot. <laughs> walks the same way yeah. and uh, I see him coming and for a second I have to straighten up because I feel like he's coming right. after me to make sure we right. set for tonight you know so uh, well and you, you can tell I, the few times that I'm down there whenever I do get to go in there uh, for whatever reason it might be um, usually generally just more information nowadays but uh, you feel a lot of his presence down there, and uh, you, feel, you do. You feel a lot of his his aura that That's he kind of right. left uh, left with everything. You do. He. Uh, I remember him telling me, "This circle A, we need uh, to get a stencil, and we need to spray paint it on every door around here. We need to put it all over the place. It needs to be a source of pride. It needs to be on T-shirts. It yeah. Needs, and you know, I think about Abbeville Sporting Goods started sure. about that time, and you know, our own brand was right. out there and. And from 1990 on, we've been pretty darn successful. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, he kind of broadened that brand, I think. Yeah. And, and and a lot of people, too, don't remember is that on that staff there, it wasn't a very big staff either because uh, you talked about the, the weight training and Coach Jacks. I remember Barry Jacks coming in, and he was a really big part of that weight training success early on. Really big part of our success. I think it was uh, – me and Dennis, Coach Jacks, Philip Balls, and uh, Doug Blosser for a little bit. Yep. And, uh, you know, we coached both sides of the ball. Uh, a lot of strategic planning had to go in, you know. Shoot, when Coach Nick just put me on the offensive side, I thought I was on vacation, <laughs> man. Cruise control. I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> but um, – and another advantage that I've had, I think, is teaching at the middle school. Right. So knowing these guys from the sixth grade on. Right. And trying to start a relationship and, you know, of trust yeah. and, and, you know, we'll be there and we're not going to lead you the wrong way. And, uh, and then certainly with former players kind of coaching all of the rec leagues, it's just been tremendous. Well, yeah, you got like Ellis Belton and Tanko Rayford, those guys who were who were in the trenches and That's great right. players in their own right, but they have been there too. So I think I always tell people one of the reasons of success was how early the program gets started in That's the right. rec leagues and how much these guys that have played now pour back in, how much involvement there is because they keep that they let them know about that prize, right. what they're playing. They're not just playing for a trophy, more or less. They're yeah. playing, playing for something bigger than themselves. And so. you mentioned Coach Jacks. Um, you know, the 
certainly the root of our he was success, a character boy. <laughs> you know, has to start in the weight room. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was the kind of guy that uh, he was counting on you to be there and you didn't want to let him down. Yeah. And uh, same way, I know he and I have had a tremendous friendship through all the years. And, uh, even though he's away from Abbeville football, he still uh, calls me and keeps up with us and will ask me about certain names because some of the names are the yeah. same ones from years past, you know, but, uh, you know, the, the root of our success has been that strength training and it started way back then, certainly yeah. with Barry. Because I know he was, uh, he was my PE teacher when I started over here in ninth grade and, and but that, that weight, that was the first time I'd ever been in a weight room at all. Most of us were not unless you played football, but he, I always appreciated it because he was always encouraging, always. but he demanded. That's he right. demanded you to do something, do something to to yeah. better yourself, and and I always enjoyed that. And uh, I always used to look, we, every once in a while he'd be in there, and, and somebody would be watching film or something, and and uh, he said, unless there's a snot bubble coming out the side of that ear hole there, I, that's not a good hit, you know. Yeah, he's, or, or he'd say something like that. But he, he was always he was lighthearted enough. But man, if he he hunkered down, he'd get after it. Too. That's right. He was a great motivator. Yeah. Um, great defensive coordinator. You know, before Jamie came on board, and um, uh, just a great guy to work with. And the guys always knew that he loved and, and cared for him. And I think some of those same traits have followed him into his successful role as yeah, an administrator. administrator. Right. Yeah. Um, so we talked about that 1990 team, and then obviously we're going into 1991. You talk about getting Leamont Evans back. I know you've had a really good relationship with him over the years that's that's kept on and um and you he, know I, he was just a different he was a different kind of player. He was and 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 talking about Dennis, um Dennis was you know uh, there never was a doubt who the leader of this football program was. He was a hit the beach kind of guy and it kind of allowed me to be the good cop. Yeah, you know somebody had to come around and say, "Hey, listen to what he's saying, not how he's saying it." Right. He really loves you. He really cares for you, and so you know it afforded me. He afforded me the chance to you know be that good guy and kind of uh, start a lot of relationships that have carried on. You know, uh, Leamont and I still text back and forth every week, and. He's aware we're fixing to play for another championship, <laughs> and I know he's talking junk down in the Columbia area to all those guys. And uh, but you know I, I have to give Dennis a lot of credit for that. Yeah. Because he was the uh, the stern taskmaster, and uh, he didn't love the kids any less. But that's right. For a lot of the guys, I know a lot of those guys I went to school with. A lot. I mean, and even to this day, you know, not everybody comes from the same household. Not that's everybody right. comes from the same situation. So for a lot of kids, there's not a lot of father figures at that's all right. that they don't have. So. You, you kind of—that's where the sports that. part of it is important that's for right. these kids. He—he uh, he really gave them that hard, tough love yep. that a lot of them needed. He used to tell me if I'd ask him a question about a certain kid, he'd say, "Look, he's got enough friends. He needs somebody that'll put a boot in his behind right. when he needs it." And he meant that, yeah. you know. And, you need a good you know, no person that's in your right. life. Absolutely. And that '91 team was really special because you felt after 1990 you had this momentum, and then you have to go into 1991 and. Um, I remember we went over to uh, went over to Crescent and won a big conference game. That was when it was the Skyline Conference back That's then. Right. Won a big game over there. Lost a tough game down at Batesburg. But then we got into playoffs and 
Anytime you talk to anybody about the 91 team, it always comes back to the Chisney game. And we had a lot of good rehashing about that a couple of weeks ago when they came back up here. But um, for you, I know you said that that's been one of those games that always sticks with you as far as all these great games that we've had. Yeah, absolutely, I'd have to say. that was uh, a war. <laughs> yeah, it was. And, it, you know, it wasn't for a state championship, but it was for upper state championship, and it had everything. You know, I can – I remember they uh, – were filming Sleeping with the Enemy, and Julia Roberts had some <laughs> not so nice things to say about Abbeville. And the first sign I saw that night was huge. We love Julia Roberts. Yeah. And, and uh, I don't know. I, I remember pregame. You know, the crowd just thumping in pregame. And uh, oh, Rio awesome. Grant, who went on to quarterback our 1996 state championship team, was a little manager walking around, gathering up the footballs and doing whatever we needed him to do. And, you know, his eyes were big as saucers just yeah. looking up. I mean, that was, uh, you know, it was, I guess for all of us, really the first time on that big of a stage. And, uh, ah, what a football game. And, um, you know, fortunately, good Lord shined on us and we came out on top. And then the next week at Swansea, winning it um, certainly was icing on the cake. But probably the state championship was the week before it. Yeah, we've, I think we've had some years like that where it's yeah. been the case where that upper state game has been something. And, and you talk about the crowd, and I remember, and I tell this story when we went to Swansea, because I don't think nobody knew where Swansea was to begin with, but <clears throat> we made it a point, and a lot of people had made it a point that said we were going to get there so early that they're going to have to open this gate to let us in. And I remember two hours before I believe anybody got on the field, our stands were full. Yeah. Because on on the way down there, my dad drove his van. It was him, my brother Tim, me, Jason Abel, Tony Southern, and Keith Hall. That was our traveling crew. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the sport We call it the press box crew. Yeah. But uh, we were going down there, and when we got there, I mean, it was just packed, and, and it just – it was kind of over with pretty quick and yeah. established People, everything. Yeah, standing around everywhere. I remember coming out of the locker room for pregame with the running backs and the quarterbacks. A security guard had to come over and kind of part the Red Sea of people to even let us get to the field. Right. And uh, so your heart's already thumping, and it's not even <laughs> kickoff time yet. Yeah. So, uh, but it was, uh, it was really a big game and one, like you said, that sticks with you. And, you know, it really catapulted a lot because you talk about a lot of the guys that were on that, you know, on that team. We talked about Liam Mont. Neil Dawson was one of my favorite players. I remember going in the gym, <clears throat> and there would be a lot of pickup basketball games through most afternoons. And Neil and, and uh, Mooka would be in there, and a lot of these guys, Ellis and all them. And, um, but I always loved Neil Dawson. He was, to me, he was he was just as big a superstar to me as, as Liam always Tanko and then the, you know the Gambrell brothers oh, who man. were blue, blue collar. That's right. I call it blue collar blue chippers. Absolutely. And uh, that that's just how that team was. Ty Cowie was on that team. Just, and yeah, just they all just gelled. They had a they had a good chemistry to them, but they were I call them they were blue collar guys. Absolutely. And and like you said, really got us going to all this success, you know, that we're enjoying now and you know, I can think of stories about each and every one of them. They, uh, you know, all of them had to die a little bit to their self because we only had one football and we had a, a lot of playmakers. And Neil, possibly the best athlete on that team. He yeah. could do it all. You know, he, he also was our punter. Yeah. Uh, kicked off, he could kick, um, but really could run and was just kind of a quiet assassin. Yeah. You know, he would just lock down the other team's best receiver and, and you know, that side of the field was on lockdown all night. And he might not get a chance to 
uh, get his hands on the ball because nobody challenged him, you know, kind of yeah. like Dion, you yeah. know. And um, But we would uh, put him in the backfield and throw a little quick screen out there to him, do a lot of things to try to get it to him. But, uh, yeah, the Gambrell guys, uh, Tig, Tanko, and – I mean, he had guys like Wiley Booth and that's Mark right. Horn was yeah. on that team. The offensive line was our, good. Yeah, our defense coordinator now, Ellis Belton, um, he was so versatile, could play offense and defense. Mm-hmm. And if I remember correctly, he was our fifth DB, and he could play both corners, both safeties, and play at nickel. So he might have been <laughs> the most valuable guy. Yeah, because it was like, you know, back then, I mean, there was a ton of playing both ways. That's I mean, right. And there still is today, right. but – you know, a lot of success we've had has been because we've been able to two platoon, two platoon a little yeah. bit and stuff. But I mean, those guys did it all, and I think that's when we get in these conversations with these best teams ever and stuff. That's why those guys always take exception because it's like y'all didn't work near as hard as we did. Absolutely, and they uh, and all those guys try to trap me into making a statement. <laughs> Who's the best team ever? Who's the best team ever? So uh, I'm not gonna get caught no, no, up no, in no, that. No, no, uh, no. Just... Yeah, it's just it's just fun though because you go back it and you remember because I was a. I was a sophomore in high school, and I just remember being a part of a state championship in school. I mean, I don't think we did anything the week of, and it was just, it was just something I'll never forget. That whole time period, that whole season, and then that finishing part, and just being around those guys. Because to me, those guys were larger than life superstars. Anyway, uh, growing up around them as long as I did. And some of that same stuff still goes on today. We were talking the other day. I don't think there's but about five or six guys on our current team that has a ring. Yeah. And when you think back, that, that can't be possible. We've had so much success. But uh, what it does is makes all those guys that don't have one that much hungrier. Hungry. Yeah. yeah, because that's part of a legacy now. That's and right. It's part of yeah. something that's successful, which is one of the reasons why I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of our senior class this year because of what they, they had to have that bitter loss last year. And then, been that focus this year. And Coach Botch used to always tell the seniors, you didn't build this success, you inherited it. Now yeah. let's see what you're going to do with it. Um, really wise words. Oh, right? yeah, absolutely. And, <clears throat> and when we go through the 90s there, I, I, this is another year and another team that we don't get a lot of conversation about a lot of times, but um, I had a guy by the name of Troy Gamble come and play with us his senior year. And uh, unbelievable! Don't think we ever knew how special he really was going to be until he got out on the field and talking about a guy who could do it all. Yeah, um, he he was just different. He was a different kind of player. And he was different, you know, different gear. We just had him the one year. Um, you know, if if somebody pressed me and held me down, I'd have to say pound for pound. Uh, if not the best, he was one of the best to ever play here because he could just do it all. Yeah, because we were running a wishbone, but the option was always what got he could run that option so smooth. And it's Threw almost it. like he never really made a bad decision. That's sometimes. right. Threw it surprisingly well. Yeah. I can't remember how many times we would situationally substitute him on defense. And he'd find a way to get his hands on the ball, get a tip ball, break on the ball, and get a pick turn around on offense and score the touchdown, kick the PAT, then line up and kick off and kick, hit the back pylon of the end zone with his deep kickoff. Yeah. You know, and was a great returner. Um, you know, went on being All-American at PC as a safety and he as a return He was the state's leading scorer. Was the state's leading scorer, sure was. Oh. So just a tremendous player. 
And uh, and he had some good guys around him too. He did. Um, Mucho he Evans did. was uh, in the backfield during that time. And, That's right. Went on um, to play at Clemson. Yep. Had a great, great yep. college career there. Dennis Jackson was a real good athlete and receiver. He was another one of those quiet guys. He just, he didn't, you wouldn't know if he was in the room or not, but he could make some plays for you. He really did. And that Batesburg game always, that year, that goes back to that Batesburg game where it goes into overtime and somehow he makes that shoestring catch. That's right. To uh, get the win. That, that's right. And then I guess they had missed the PAT and then Troy bangs it through and we win. Yep. And, uh, I mean, that I, that's one of the times that I can remember what you said a while ago. Fans couldn't come on the field. At the end of that game, yeah, it, it was something. Fans just rushed the field. And I remember know. we did it on the radio, and I remember it was. I think it was the state game of the week. We were one and two. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, just uh, unbelievable uh, games and experiences. So we go, I always, when we get to this conversation about, uh, you know, the team in 1996, which gets a lot of deserved praise, to me, I always, when I talk about them, I have to go back to the year before that, 1995, because that was a really interesting year because we started out the year that year 8-0, I believe. Or 8-0, lost and, in the playoffs at Lamar. And, and lost three games in a row, lost two regular season games. And then we go down to Lamar, which we had never been down there, uh, to my knowledge, at that time, and played a vi- talking about crazy athletic team, like a basketball oh, team with cleats on out there. John Abraham. John Abraham was a freaking beast of nature, and uh, we couldn't block him. And like Dennis said, we didn't find out till next year. Nobody in the SEC could block him either. No, no, and uh, they could match us speed wise. Yeah, and that they was- were different. <clears throat> they were. That's right. They were a different animal, and because uh, we stuff. hadn't seen anything like that, that's we hadn't right. seen. That's right. They that had the kind spread of game. Yes, yeah. and that was in the early stages of the spread. That's right. Concepts back then, and absolutely, and um, taught us a lot of lessons. I never will forget. I I never I never remember. I talked to a lot of the guys who were there who played in, in that huddle, but I always forget there was a meeting in the end zone at the end of that game. And I remember Coach Botts, how frustrated he was and everything. And and I remember a lot of his guys said that was a big gut check because a lot right. of guys didn't know if they were coming back that yep. next year or not. He told them, you're going to have to decide yep. what we're going to do from here. And uh, and they did. Yeah. And then we go on and, man, that – I don't know where to start talking about that team, how, how unbelievably talented they yep. were. And um, I don't think, you know, all these years later – you don't think of it at the time, but we had so much depth. Oh man! Even the back. We didn't know till later how much depth we really that, had. That's exactly right. I was telling somebody, um, you know, I know Antonio Crawford and Antoine Burton were freshmen on that team. Yep. And you think of them from the offensive side, but we were having a hard time getting them on the field, and they were such great athletes. And I remember it was because of injuries, wasn't it? Yeah, and but I remember we had. You know, guys in front of them, David yeah. Hackett and Chris Lee and Keely Goodwin and pretty good wishbone backfield right there sure. with just those three and couldn't get them. But I remember um, Antoine, the first four games, blocked seven kicks. Now I'm counting PATs in there, <laughs> but that's that's a stat. Yeah. And you look back and say, wait a minute, he's blocked seven kicks in the first four games, and that's not no. even his position. No. Just, um, you know, just really talented uh, once again – Coach Jacks, Coach Nichols, they you know did such a good job with. Yeah, Coach Jacks, he I think he was away for a year or so. That's or, right, came and back. He came back. Came and back. Coach Nichols had already come back and, on. Uh, I came down. That was the first. And Coach year. Dick Williams too. That's right. And 
that was the first year that I came down from the press box right. to the sidelines right. and actually ran the offense. And Coach Jacks communicated with me on the headset. And uh, Dennis, we went over and watched Greenwood practice after we lost to Lamar. Greenwood was still in the playoffs, and he told me then, he said, I want you to <clears> – <throat> take over our offense. He said, I think you'll be more patient. You know it as good as I do. But he said, I'm always going to reserve the right to raise sand. <laughs> and uh, he uh, <clears throat> certainly raised enough sand through the sure. years. But it was always to my benefit. Right. You know, I, <clears throat> I don't think since then I've ever called a play where he didn't factor in it a little bit. Yeah. Okay, is that backside guy over there on air? If we got, is he accounted for? Right. You know, because you get hit in the back, and it's not just a sack, but it's a scoop and score. Yeah. And so, you know, his presence is always felt. And uh, but what a team that '96 yeah. team was. And you talked about that backfield, and you talked about Rio Grant. Here's a guy a couple of years earlier who's a manager. That's right. And one of the biggest That's seasons right. ever. And he had a great skill set. The biggest he was thing. another one that was smooth to watch when he ran that option play on the outside, but it was smooth. Yeah, he um, and you know Dennis, we both coached him hard, but once again he he allowed you to. He accepted that hard coaching, and uh, he was really tough, um, but he faked so well. I remember twice down at Chapin, he rode the fullback Keely Goodwin. Uh, up into the line of scrimmage and was standing in the end zone with the football for a touchdown, and they blew it dead thinking that he had it, the yeah. fullback had it. I never will forget so that. So I remember Dennis raising sand at the referee and said, when we call that play the next time, I'll let you know so you can just hold the whistle in your hand. Don't put it in your mouth. And uh, But but it was that good. It was so smooth. I mean, and, and I, th- I think we were uh, – uh, Statistically, we obviously won the state championship. Fifteen and zero was best team in Double A. I'm not so sure that we couldn't have won we some of the other divisions. Could have played with anybody. I, I think at the end of the year, statistically, we were number one in offense and number one in defense. So um, hard to argue the fact. Because when I think about that team, usually to me, you know, first names that come to my mind are usually. I think about Keely Goodwin. I think about Burton and Crawford, but I think about Tinch and Burton on the line. That's right. Because and we I'm, had had so many good defensive players over the years who did a lot, played both ways. That's right. But as far as just two guys that just hunkered down and were the, the anchor, because I'm, you and I both were Clemson fans, and I always loved Clemson in those 80s and 90s when they had those big, DL. thick DL guys. That's like. Right like the Perry brothers and McLaughlin's and Brinston Buckner's and all that. Absolutely. And it was like, here, we got two of them right here yeah, in they, Abbeville, and they were amazing. You know, we played – we've always been an odd front team, played that 50, and uh, both of them at defensive tackle. Um, just unbelievable. Just yeah. It was unfair. <laughs> they, were just, they could just dominate a game. Yeah. And then we'd take a guy like Deco and put him at tight end, end and oh, put, 90, put number 99 on him and told him to go down and – block that play side backer and he would just be cleaving yeah. I mean, it, like you said it's almost unfair yeah because uh, but they were they were close we had good leadership they didn't care who got the credit um, they just wanted Abbeville to have the most points at the end of the night yeah. and uh, you know from a coaching standpoint that makes your job real easy yeah and you had a, you had a lot of guys on that team who were really selfless and a lot of people wouldn't know if you said their name, but I always remember, I always say that Adam Hedden was one of the best centers. Oh, man. No come question. along in a long time. He played on that line. and 
uh, some of the guys that, that stood out to me Bebop. on there. Bebop was the man, and um, Rafi Sanders That's right. uh, at linebacker. Brad Jackson. And Brad Jackson was just a beast. Your corners. Yeah. Yeah, your corners were Brian Sanders and Casey Stone. I mean, and I mean just amazing speed and quickness right. back there. Both those guys could have lined up in the bone for you, too. Absolutely. And did. You know, we'd, <laughs> if you had we'd to sneak Brian in there and put him out there at the X receiver and throw the quick screen, and it was stealing money. I yep. mean, I'm telling you, it was uh, – it was a lot of P. fun. P.I. Paul. And, you know, you when you're going through it, you don't realize. I think Dennis did because sometimes nobody was ever late to practice. Nobody can get in trouble. And we would come down in the coach's office and he'd say, enjoy it, boys, because it ain't always this way. Right. And, uh, you know, that certainly was prophecy. Because you really didn't – I mean, there really, really wasn't a lot of the games during that season where there was, was a lot of pushback. Um, I know right. the game against Columbia was a big deal because they came in pretty hyped up. That's right. Um, I and, think the closest game we had was at Chape. Right. That game was, um, was all and, kind of fun. You know, you look back, and they had a pretty good athletic quarterback at Chape, and uh, Dwayne Wise oh, ended man. up playing about a dozen years in MLB. Yeah. So, uh, he was different, too. Um you know, it was just uh, – and you really felt like, and you mentioned it earlier, you really felt like if you could come out of that region, you could play with anybody. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we dominated that region that year. And uh, I think uh, in the Upper State Championship, we beat Mid-Carolina, who was also in the region. So you turn around and have to beat people. Beat somebody beat, twice. Beat yeah. somebody twice, and that's hard to do. Yeah. Lon Armstrong was a coach. We had so much respect for them and that wing tee and what they did. Um, but uh, what a team that 96 team was. And um, <clears throat> I always never forget, uh, you know, also, you know, you talk about Casey Stone on that team who you got a chance to – you had double pleasure with him. Oh, man, yeah. Getting to coach him on – we talked about him during the baseball podcast. But John Paul Bulls was another guy that was very special on that team and uh, ended up – uh, having a rough ACL injury, but he was a good track guy. He was a big track guy at the time as well. He really too. was, and he fell in our lap. Yeah, he, he moved here, and I can remember. Wasn't he like from Washington? <laughs> he was. He was from Oregon. Oregon. I knew it was somewhere out there in the West Coast. And um, you talk about coaching both sides of the ball, Coach Nichols, and I also coached the JV team. Yeah. So we would go up to JV practice, and Dennis would bring Dennis and Barry, and those guys would bring the varsity guys up about halfway through JVs. And so we finished practice on the day that John Paul showed up and the varsity team wasn't there. And so Nick and I were just standing up there kind of sucking our thumb, waiting on everybody to come up. And we heard like somebody was kicking and we walked from the practice field and looked down into the stadium. And Dennis had the whole team out there. And John Paul was banging field goals from 35, 40 yards. We hadn't ever had a real good kicker. Yeah. And he said, kick it again. And he was just lined up watching them. And they were oohing and aahing. And they came up to practice. And I remember he tells us, uh, we got us a kicker. If any of you try to coach him, I'll key. Leave him alone. Just let him do what he can do. But he was a great athlete. Because he played, he played receiver some. And, played and some, uh, a good blocker on the outside right. on the edge. And, Played strong safety and nickel on defense. I mean, he could do a lot of things. And, and uh, uh, was such a competitor, he, he, he kicked their points with the ACL tear. And, that's uh, right. He sure um, did. And, you just, know, he could bang. But that epitomized that team, though. That's right. Um, 
because you talked about the injuries. Uh, the guy that coaches our JV DBs now, P.I. Paul, right. was safety on that team. And yep. I remember John Paul could bang it in the end zone, and he maybe kicked the first one in the end zone. And then when it became obvious that we were going to win and we're scoring a lot, you'd notice he'd start coming up short. <laughs> and the guys on the kickoff team would tell him, don't kick it in the end zone because we want to hit somebody. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I don't know, David Hackett, yeah. I can remember knockout licks on the kickoff from Hackett. Once again, a quiet assassin. You never yeah. knew he was around. Well, the thing and, is, uh, you, you talked about those guys. Him and, him and Chris Lee, were they were kind of those finesse backs, really smooth really in the were. system because Keely was the bull. He was the he was the one that was the anchor of that line. But then, then you bring in Antoine and, and, and Antonio Crawford, and they just – it was just – it was totally different. It, it was. was more physical – Backfield at that time, and, and Antoine, as big as he was, man, lights out speed. Oh, he, and Antonio, Antonio was always underrated too with his speed too, because they both, if they get no field, they can go. Oh, both of them were really good. I, you know, uh, uh, Squeaky Watson at Palmetto, we had some mm-hmm. epic battles with them, and you know, he goes on and is a all SEC tail, tailback at Carolina for Lou Holtz. Um, when he played Abbeville, he wasn't even the best running back on the field. Yeah. You know, because we had a couple that could match yeah. him or go above him. And uh, just uh, just a talented group of kids yeah. that I'm not sure at the time we realized right. how talented they, they were. But uh, they Well, you kind of had that sense. It was, it was, like I said, it was something that was on the verge. And then it, when it put together, it was just, it was really special. That's and right. It was kind of like the 91 team. You just, you had certain parts of the puzzle that just made it a that's beautiful right. picture at the end of the day. And uh, that's why they still get so much talk and praise to this day because they were that good. And, they deserve it. And they deserve every bit of it. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back and try to finish up some more conversation here as we kind of move along here. Coach Smith has been gracious enough to give me some time here, but I don't want us to get cut off in time here and, and miss out on something, but want to come back and talk about some of these other uh, teams and some other memories here. Um, with Abbeville football. So we're going to take a break and we'll be right back in just a moment with more on the LWE podcast. And welcome back for part two of my interview, uh, second interview that I have had with Coach Mark Smith. Uh, long time, long time. Coach Nick calls him the godfather of Abbeville Athletics, I believe was the quote that I read. That's just because uh, I'm so old. <laughs> so old. <laughs> <laughs> but, man, I mean, you've, you've been a part of so much in, in Abbeville High School and uh, not only on the baseball field but also in football field. And that's what we're talking. We're talking some football memories with Coach Smith. He's been around uh, so many great teams and great talent and some great coaches that he's worked with. And, and Coach, we just finished talking about that 96 team, and it really kind of – they left a lot – a really kind of an imposing shadow over this program because I don't know – at the time we really knew how truly special they were going to end up being until after the fact. But um, we never really truly let up because we had some more great talent that come along uh, along the way. And, and you know, we kind of get to the part of the story here where we talk about all the successes and all the big – the big teams and the big championships, but you also have to remember the tough losses and the tough times Absolutely. and the teams that were really good that just didn't get to the to the finish line the way they wanted to. And, and I always think about the 98 team and how good that 1998 team was. Um, we didn't get to Columbia. Yeah. 
And um, I was, uh, like I was telling you earlier, uh, I'm John Bott's former players in the process of building me a man cave, and I was uh, <laughs> hanging some things up in there the other day, and I put a certain big fish on the wall that I had mounted, and I caught it the day that Emerald beat Batesburg yeah. in 1998 for the state championship. And if I recall, we beat that Batesburg team 42 to nothing, and I think we beat Emerald 38 to 10 here. Yeah. And so when they're playing for state championship, I'm fishing and I catch the big fish, and I said, I don't believe I can mount this one because uh, <laughs> I'm not even supposed to be here. Right. I'm supposed. To, we had the best football team in the state, and it didn't work out. We lost to a, a good. Central Pageland team here didn't play as well, made some mistakes early. And had to come back. We I mean, did. We, back in I think game. we were down 21 to nothing we and came back and tied it up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, once again, a, a big crowd and what a great high school football game, but it didn't bounce our way that night. Yeah. And uh, But you're right, you remember those as well. Well, and you had some great players. Brian Brownlee, one that sticks out to me uh, from that Tremendous from that play. time period, and uh, Tom Bohite, I believe, was quarterback during that That's time. Right. And um, you know, you had some you had some really good leadership on that team. Still had. Uh... And you had Antoine and Antonio Antoine still. Antoine and Antonio, that's right. And Dusty knew, yep. you know, those guys that uh, had uh, – prob- that team probably wasn't certainly as talented as the 1996 team, but they overachieved yeah. and we were pretty doggone good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I still remember the bitter disappointment of things not working out. Yeah. Um, but uh, not to take anything away, certainly from Emerald, but they won the state championship and – we beat them 38-10. Yeah. So, uh, um, but it's certainly been more good than bad. Sure. <laughs> and, and you know, and those two teams. I also, I think about I think about the teams in 2000, 2002 who played for it. Had a chance to play in Williams Bryce Stadium, right. and a lot of guys uh, with some shared experience in those two or three years there together. But that 2000 team. Um, really was a team that kind of overachieved, in my opinion. And, and that was the year that <clears throat> we come down to the big game against Pageland and uh, had, to, uh, had to step up. Duran's rapidly had to go in at quarterback. And That's right. We get to uh, we get to that moment where uh, Lafayette Miller Lafayette Miller make, made history that night. Yeah, uh, the late great Lafayette Miller. I, what a what a nice kid he was to coach, and really a tough player on on both sides of the ball. But uh, yeah, scored a touchdown in overtime. I think we had held them to a field goal, yep. and uh, scored on a fourth and one, yep. right down there in the end zone in front of the ambulance. I remember and uh, and I think that was actually the last time I remember a crowd rushing the field. That's right. Um, yeah. At that time, because yes. of how big, because it was it was just not a normal win because you moved on, but it was beating Paisley because That's that. Right. It wasn't like he had a monkey on your back. You had a dang, you know, gorilla yeah. on your back and I've trying seen, to get by them. Because we thought we were going to do it in 98. That's right. And, and since then, I've seen the call you and Wayne had. And Darius Wardlaw will remark about it on Facebook. <laughs> I, I can remember seeing that. And uh, if I sit there and watch it 15 times, I get cold chills all 15 times. Right. You know, because uh, – Really, really special once again. Well, and you had some, you had some special guys on that team. You talked about John Botts and obviously playing with playing with his dad as a coach That's was right. a big deal. And John but, played in the North South that year. Yeah, he was a great punter. And right. um, and then you had uh, you had guys talk about Wartlaw and 
Uh, I remember William Hudson who played on the end and sure did. had two young guys who I still consider. I, I think I think our guys Luke Evans and Cruz Temple have kind of stepped up and have some conversation now in that category. But I still think pound for pound the two best linebackers that I've got a chance to cover and see was Greg Rayford and Clifton Brown. And they were a part of those two teams in 2000, Absolutely. 2002 because they were sophomores they were. in 2000. Yeah. But, man, they were – they were yeah, solid. They were uh, really big hitters. Yes. And, and certainly that's what you want. They, they had a presence to them. They, right. they kind of reminded me of what Deco and Corey did on the line, that's but right. this time was that linebacker. What position. stands out to me about those two guys is, uh, you know, you have linebackers. If you, if you play that odd front the way you should, your linebackers are going to be freed up to make a lot of plays. Um, and they not only made tackles, they caused a lot of fumbles. Yep. And, you know, that just comes from violent hits. And oh, yeah. They were big and strong and fast. And, uh, um, yeah, they were uh, really a good twosome together. Mm-hmm. And then you had uh, Rod Freeman who came up in the ranks. and um, Electric. Yeah, just light on his feet. And uh, may not have been the most uh, filled-out quarterback that we had during that era, but – Man, he had a quick Sorry. step and tough pound could, for pound. Could, he was could really could tough. Guard it out and run that wishbone and run that that option play and um, and, and it, that was the key because those guys were so young and a part of that team. That's right. And uh, Rands Rapley and those guys that were part of that team as well, and then kind of was that nucleus and um, then you go to 2002 and I really think to this day I think that that 2002 team. Um, and the 98 team, those are the two best teams I thought that that should have won and had I the agree. talent to win. Um, I guess 2000, we lost to Silver Bluff. We lost to Silver Bluff down in Williams Rice because I'll never forget. Uh, at that time, probably the fastest man alive, Troy Williamson, breaks it on the very first play, I believe. I didn't even have my headset cleared, <laughs> and he took the jet sweep and was gone. And, it was and gone. like John Abraham, the next year we find out. Not many people in the SEC he can, can match his speed either. You know? But and I think a lot of that was it was different. We were in Williams Bryce Stadium. That's right. You know, and, and, and a lot of that was just all big stuck. stage. That's right. And it had been a couple of years since we'd been to state championship. So you play in '96. You play in Hyde Stadium. That's right. And that was the last year that all the games were played at the high schools. And I, I, at times, I think we should go back to that sometimes. But. And in the in the 2000 game, what I remembered, it was so gut wrenching for me. Because that, that was a good Silver Bluff team that we played, too. It they was. And, uh, but we were driving to take the lead. And one of my all-time favorite kids, Travis Power, we called him Bucci. Bucci, yeah. He was a playmaker, tough, pound for pound. I don't know if he was 150 pounds. If he was, he was pushing it. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I, I really think we were going to go in and win it at the end and giving unbelievable extra effort, the ball comes out. Yeah. And, you know, it's just uh, another one of those times where you don't really, as a coach, know what to say uh, because he was um, just so downtrodden, thinking he let the team down. And uh, we would never even have been there yeah. without him. And uh, if, if he wasn't giving that extra effort. Yeah that he always did every night. That stands out to me. You remember those moments. Um, but uh, that team was very successful. So, uh, and, then, and I guess in 02, was it Carver's Bay? At Carver's Bay. And leading up to that, 
you know, had a really good season from Rod at quarterback Kendrick Wells, man. Just a great – he's one of those underrated running backs a lot oh, of people man. forget about. Low center of gravity. And he got better. Right. He got better each year. And he was pretty pretty consistent and pretty solid. Killer 6 and Killer 7G was, <laughs> was his classic play. And he, he could really run it. And then Rod would – keep it on the option faking that play and then on the edge he had touchdown terry bell who that's right if he had just a lane is all he right. needed yeah he could he he's quicker than a hiccup certainly a finisher i remember in a jv game or practice standing beside dennis one day and terry took off at practice and dennis said who in the heck is that <laughs> and because uh, he had that kind of speed that just yeah. you know would get your attention but um yeah, man, tremendous play. Because they went, we went played Palmetto, I believe, at Palmetto. It was for the Upper State Championship that year. And that game had a lot of, a lot of hype. Palmetto, I think, really felt like they were the team. and They could beat us. They could beat us. And um, there was a lot of hype going into that game. And I remember we just, we just took it to them right away. And I knew that we were going to win the game because the very first touchdown we, we scored, um, that's when we kind of started tinkering around with the offense a little bit. And I believe Rod was in a little bit of the shotgun and we ran a little pitch, right. yep. a little speed option. And somebody came up and just drilled him about five seconds after he did it. He got a flag on it. Yep. And I remember we're going to win because we were inside the head at that moment yep. on. And we never looked back That's right. and dominated that game. And you talk about going down to play Carver's Bay, who, again, I think a lot of people that I know I talked to and, and I, I felt like at the time, I said, you know, we were the better team that, that should have won that game. And, man, that was just a heartbreaking loss down there. really was just really gut-wrenching. Um, coach Temple and I have talked about it multiple times. There is absolutely, as a coach, there's absolutely nothing like winning a state championship. But on the other end of the spectrum, there's nothing like losing one either. When right. You, when you go that far. and uh, Especially when you lose one as close as the that that's right. was. That's and right. And the Civil yeah. game, too. Yeah. I mean, they wasn't like it was yeah. – Lopsided by no means. I mean, it was it was two good tough. football teams. Right. Either one of us could have won. Right. And um, and I still think, like I said, I think that that, that 2002 team was really good. We talked about Tony Graham, who was a big part of that. Really good baseball team. player too. Also you know? <laughs> a good baseball player that you got a chance to be around. One of those relationships, real headsy, tough was. Uh, know how many tip picks he got yeah but he was always in the right place right. always where he's supposed to be right um, you know. so we kind of go into 2003 and losing a lot of those guys a little bit of a transitional period there and we kind of got into a got into a little run at the end of the season we did because yeah. we had we went on the road the first right. three rounds of the playoffs. A lot of people don't remember that. A lot of, we had won to, at Woodruff, didn't we? Had to go to Woodruff, won a shootout game with yeah. Woodruff. Al Roebuck, one of my really good friends, was a head coach there. Yep. And uh, found a way to win that one. And then we had to come back, and it just usually us and Batesburg would try to find each other at the times during those years. And I think Batesburg finished in fourth place in our region, I'll tell you. Yeah. How that region stacked up, and then – they beat us in the upper state, thirty-three to twenty or thirty-five to twenty-one yeah. or something. But the story—the story I want to ask you about is—is is it was it was actually before the game because you were really sick that that day, wasn't you? Sick it? as I've ever been. Had the flu, and uh, and you know <clears throat> that was Thanksgiving weekend. We right. always say if you're playing practicing on Thanksgiving, you're doing you're something doing some right. Good. And it was always real. I, I have always enjoyed. Um, those down moments when you take the team to a movie or you 
go to the Orion's for supper and so you have a lot of time that you yeah. can fill with those moments during the Thanksgiving holidays and I was sick and had to miss all those mm. and uh, I guess that was Coach Botts' last game Yeah, and um, I remember really sick having chills on the sidelines but uh, just couldn't miss the Because wasn't it, wasn't it true that before the game, like, you didn't even know if you were going to be able to coach I didn't coach know if I was going to be there. That's right. And, he, and word got back to him, and he was <laughs> – And he was kind of trying to crazy. <laughs> put his play sheet together. And uh, <laughs> when I got over there, there was uh, everybody who – he always had a pair of reading glasses in his pocket and one in his back pocket and two in his truck and one in the bathroom, and he had them all lined up, and maybe some of the lenses were knocked out. And when I walked in, he said, well, well, look who made it. <laughs> And because uh, he, he yeah, thought he was, people were joking with that's him. That's right. He thought he's and I thought. I mean, it was literally right before kickoff. I got up, yeah. put my jacket on, and Cher said, "You gonna try it?" And I said, "I gotta go." Right. But, uh, I certainly wasn't 100. percent But uh, Batesburg had a good team. Um, I remember they had a big tailback. I can't call his name, but we had a hard time tackling yeah. him. And uh, I think he had been injured for some of the year, and they got him back at the right time. Um, and I remember story after the game was over with. I remember coach. They said coach Box went on the bus. Went and got on the bus. And then in the state championship game, of course, that was uh, that ill-fated week when <clears throat> we lost him. And uh, Batesburg had stickers with DB on their helmets for the state championship, which was pretty cool because yeah. you know it's such it a, heated, a big robbery. That's right. It's a heated robbery, and uh, you know it showed what kind of class Batesburg had. Yeah, but uh, you know, an epic time in the history of uh, of our football program, losing uh, not only a, a coach like Coach Botts, but what a big shadowy cast and was such a big personality. Like I said, there was no doubt who was the leader. Yeah, and um, you know, just a time there that I'll never forget. His funeral in Height Stadium, you know, yeah, uh, crazy. It was really sad. Um, but I think he would have wanted us um, to pick up and go on. And without a shadow of a doubt, we couldn't have picked a better leader than Jamie Nichols. Yeah. And here comes the Jamie Nichols era. Yeah. And he, he wouldn't want me to say it, but, um, you know, he um, took our program over and he's just done such a tremendous job with his leadership in his own quirky way all the kids love him you know it's um it's it's not the fear factor that dennis kind of brought um and and jamie has not ever tried to be dennis but boy has he done a heck of a job leading our program and the proof's in the pudding oh yeah and you talk about coach botts and 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 the impact that was and it was not only felt here it's felt statewide because he had garnered a lot of respect from a lot of the really other coaches hurt. around the area and stuff. And um, I never forget the beginning of that season in 2003, we were playing 96. And there's probably a couple thousand people there at the time. Yeah. And that's when I proposed to my sure wife enough. Yeah. Uh, from the press box during the halftime. And I remember, um, I remember we did the radio interview. I did the radio interviews that year. And I remember going to Coach Botts and I said, uh, I said, Coach Botts. Uh, I said, I'm gonna be, uh, I'm gonna be proposing at halftime now. I'm gonna try not to be too much of a distraction, but I just want to know if that's all right with you. And he said, I'd be really mad if you didn't do it. <laughs> he and he said, Are you, you sure you want to do it in front of all these people? Though? That's right. In his own sarcastic yeah, way. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I said, Yeah, I really want to do it, Coach. And with Daddy up there and everything. And, 
and he said, "Well, just long as you send me a you send me, send me a card into my address, I, I'll be good with it." And and I always think about that because he did he didn't get to make it. We got married January two thousand four, and um, I remember when we left out to go on our honeymoon, I wore an Abbeville shirt in in honor of him because I knew um, he wasn't necessarily the, the the big social butterfly person, but I knew if I would ask him to be there, and Absolutely. if he said he was going to be there, he probably would have been there. So. Um, just a big impact and, and I always remember those times and uh, I took some of the clips from those interviews and I still have those to this day and I, I remember sending it to Shannon and them uh, about the you know with some of his talking about you know you know play hard and the last words he had before the 96 game and, and it's, he said we just, we just look forward to being champions of the sovereign state of South Carolina and I mentioned that yeah. this week to Sherry and she and I can remember um, that year, uh, we always vacationed in Daytona. And the end of our vacation was coming up, and I remember she was reading a book, and I looked over at her. We were lying on the beach, and I said, I can't believe I'm going to start football next week, and uh, we'll have Coach Botts with me. And she never looked up from her book and said, I imagine you'll always have him with you. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's certainly proved out. And you talked about Coach Nichols and that transition, and I imagine that was a that was another interesting time, too, because timing-wise, you, you just finished the season, so you had a little bit of time per se. But That's right. You, you go in, usually off-season, you go do your weight room and you, you do your conditioning and all that stuff like that. Um, so what do you remember how, how it came to be that – that coach Nick got a job because I didn't. I, I also remember, you know, there was some talk they were going to ask you, right? And they did, um, you know. And there were some people, I guess, that you know I had been here the longest, sure. And you know, kind of jumped to the conclusion that maybe it would be me. And there was but you some, already had a lot of hats at that time too. I did, <laughs> and uh, and really enjoyed them. Yeah. You know, really enjoyed coaching baseball and football was becoming really your head coach need to be involved year round. Sure. And I knew I couldn't. I enjoyed uh, my kids at the middle school and yeah. I think the head football coach needed to be at the high school. Jamie was already doing all of that and I knew without a shadow of a doubt he was the best guy. Yeah. And they I can remember uh, talking to Coach Boyles and Beth Taylor mm-hmm. and um, they talked to me about the job, and I said, I'd really like to just continue doing uh, what I'm doing. Um, but I think the guy for the job is also in this building. And they said, well, if you uh, aren't really serious about it, obviously we're going we're gonna to give it to Jamie. And I said, well, can I be the guy to tell him? Yeah. And they said, sure. And I walked down there, and he was enthusiastic for me. He yeah. said, are you going to take the job? And I said... I'm not because I'm not the best guy. You are, and I want to tell you that uh, they're fixing to name you the next coach at Abbeville. And uh, I said, but I'm also going to tell you this: I'm not going to take the crap off of you that I have the old man for the next, <laughs> for the last 15 years. And we hugged right there. So uh, uh, you know, he's he's just been like a brother. Sure. So it's. Uh, but he's 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 all he's Abbeville through and through. Absolutely. And um, absolutely. And and I know it was it, it, it did take a little bit of time to get adjusted to things. That's because right. 
with Coach Botts, I remember in the radio interview, you could ask Coach Botts a question, and Coach Botts would talk for 15 minutes. That's right. And maybe answer three other questions that you had in the back yeah. of your mind. And then Coach Nick, on the other hand, who's really outspoken on the practice field, but he is very low-key when it comes to the interviews right. and questioning and stuff. And you just didn't get a lot of long answers from him. And so it's a little bit different. That's right. To watch him mature into that role has really been neat because now he's a media darling. <laughs> You know, yes. I mean, he comes up with those one-liners, and everybody loves to interview him because he makes you feel so right. at home about being sure. at High Stadium. Yeah, and uh, just all the way around, it's just uh, and and you know, you know, I, I really think you know God had His hand in that. Right, and uh, you know, Jamie has just been a tremendous leader for us, great role model. Um, and and been a tremendous friend for me all these years. And during that time, also, you know, we we evolve as a coaching staff too, and we have a lot of transition going on, you know, as we continued on through his early years and stuff. So you had transition in the coaching staff, and I know Dick Williams was uh, a part of a lot of success we had with offensive line and whatnot. Enjoyed working with Coach Williams as much as I have anybody. Yeah. And, you know. uh, New to game. That's right. And and Coach D, Tad DeBose, comes on as the athletic director and uh, and our defensive coordinator. And, you know, we've had some monumental defenses under his leadership. Yeah. And uh, so, um, you know, it kind of became a uh, everybody knew their role yeah. stayed in their lane pulled for each other yeah. had enthusiasm and passion to coach our young men and it's just really worked out and then you get you get the the next the next wave guys who are the who are the generational guys who That's like right. Wayne Botts and Tony Temple to come up That's right. and be a big <laughs> part of that success but those late at late 2000 uh, time period there they, they, those teams were really special because just just ran roughshod over the regular season and just didn't know how to recover from a loss because the only time you lost was in the postseason that's right and yeah. so it was I imagine at that time yeah. that was crazy because had some really good players you know you um, if you if you rank in backfields, you know, with Jimmy Thaxon oh, man. and Darrell Elmore and Sammy Head and Javaggio Enright. Just and then you had Clay Gilchrist. Yeah, Clay Gilchrist right. right before that. That's had right. two guys. That with Ashton and yeah. Tyler Balls. Yeah, you had two guys in, in Quay Gilchrist and Darrell Elmore who were really different backs in their That's own right. right. Yeah. Um, because Quay was kind of more, I always pictured he was when he when I saw him play his freshman year, he was like to me the second coming of Leomon. That's right. Because he was this tall natured uh, kind of a uh, he know, makes that big great step. pick against Lincoln County as a sophomore, the one handed yep. pick from yep. his linebacker spot, and um, but yeah, could play both sides. And he could and he could also stretch the field and and just had that that speed where he was early on. I mean, he was he was the guy, and I think. You know, kudos to Coach Nick because he knew that he was he was that special piece. That's and right. then you got him, and then you got a guy like Darrell Elmore, um, and then two guys that ended up rushing for over four thousand yards for their career, which in this day and time seems a lot lot of seems like a fantasy that's world right. to think about. Yeah, um, that you could have that, but they were two special guys. That's right. During those early two thousands, I guess, with uh, Mac Hike was our quarterback, and Quay uh, uh, Gilchrist. Yep. Just the biggest thing about Quay, maybe with size, strength, speed, everything, just um, 
maybe the most talented running back we've ever had. <laughs> you know, I mean, caught the ball well out of the backfield. Yeah. Just obliterated people. But he had the vision. Him. That's right. He had the height. And, he had the vision. And, uh, and became a good linebacker, could too. Could carry it 35 times for you in a game if you needed to. Yeah. Coach Nick used to say, boy, you and Quay, y'all have got a good feel for each other down around the end zone. I thought, what kind of feel have I got? <laughs> I'm going to give it to him as many times as we can to get in the end zone. He makes it real easy. And, uh, but, you know, then with Ashton, you got another Quay, Quay yeah. White, who was real talented, too. So, uh, I don't know, just so many great players. That well, we, we had Jimmy. Blessed. You talked about Jimmy Thaxon, who was a guy who was, you know, he was just – he was a free-spirited kid. and then Fearless. Put, fearless. And then you put another free-spirited Sammy Head behind him and Javaggio Enright and That's then right. Darrell. And you talked about that backfield. And, man, they were just – they were really smooth, and again, Playing. that was the evolution because now we're kind of going more toward the flex bone, a little That's bit. That's right, wing, the double wing. That's and, right, and kind of doing some things a little different, still keeping the basics. That's right, running um, the jet sweep, evolving it a little bit more. Yep. And uh, you know that you're exactly right. We could still get in the wishbone when we needed to, but you know, kind of uh, gave us another attack mode within the same scheme. Yeah, you know they. Uh, we had we, we kind of transitioned from being a north-south team to an east-west team that could get on the corner sure. so quickly, and uh, you know led by Jimmy, he was he was fearless and a really good leader for us. Uh, that Lincoln County game was the one that always stands out to me. Oh yeah, that's that's got, got on that corner. One. I yeah. still got the film of that. I coached the boys to give me that film, and I still watch it from time to time. And, um, but yeah, you talked about Quay, and then then we get Darrell, who just was just a super kid. Uh, might might have been one of the most uh, I've said nicest it kids. Absolutely, it's like God reached down and handed us a fullback. Yeah, because um, he did everything well. Um, you know, certainly one of my wife's all-time favorite kids. Yeah, uh, he 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 would rush for 200 yards and then kiss all the babies in the stadium on the way everybody loved him i mean oh, yeah. you, you just couldn't help he was very soft-spoken and uh yeah and just uh had his priorities in order yeah and uh i remember when he prayed one time before the before the team and uh sammy head said man duke you sounded like a preacher and Duke quickly turned around and said, "It's not my first time doing it. I get a lot of practice." Yeah, and just that kind you know, of example. just just ahead of his age, yeah. really was. And boy, but you wouldn't have known he was soft-spoken by the way he blocked and ran the football. Yeah, because when we when we talk about that decade, you know, it was kind of really the last decade because you really just you didn't you used to say tailback, fullback, good fullback, great tailback. But now it's just a great backfield who can do a little bit of everything. Because I remember you had the guys like – you had like Kendrick Wells and you had Tim Brown, those those guys, and Darrell who were those just solid fullbacks that also had the speed they could get on the edge. But then it just kind of morphed into something more, which That's takes right. us to that 2010 year. And we go and we drop down to Class A. And you talked about Tyler Bowles. Here's a kid who's waited ball boy. Waited right. his turn. Ball boy. Um, could throw it 80 yards if you if you let him probably right. in the air, <laughs> straight up. But another soft-spoken kid. But coach's I, son, really yeah. tough. Yeah, he knew um, the system, knew the offense. As the season went along, got better and better. Yeah, and maybe played <clears throat> like Rio back in 1996. Maybe played his best game 
in the state championship. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, against Bamberg, I think it was. A couple of touchdown yeah. passes. That's right. But he was a leader, and I think that the first game they played that year is a loss against Chester over at Newberry College. But I remember he made a big run and put his head, head down, down and broke some And tackles. I remember the, the, the guys on the sideline. And to me, that felt like we're going to be okay because that's right. they know he's going to be that. Maybe a little different style, yeah. but we got a guy. He's not going yeah. to be the one that's going to run it five or six times maybe, but that's if right. he had to, he could do it. Yeah. But then you talked about Hurd and you talked about Watt and uh, just Josh Coates and those guys, man. Oh, man, Josh Coates, unsung guy. It really you know, was. Maybe an undersized Might be the most back. underrated guy we had. That's right. And um, I remember him making a big catch in the state championship game on the waggle pass for a big first down, maybe the only pass he caught all year. Yeah. Uh, he dropped a few, and we'd stay on him about it, but uh, at the biggest moment, he caught it. But Quay's so athletic, you know, a matchup nightmare, wherever you wanted to use Yeah, he him. was in that build of – of Leamont and Quay Gilchrist. Right. And he's, he's the big one, guy. Earlier, I think I misquoted. He made he that, made that one-handed pick against yep. Lincoln County in that game you talked about when he was just a baby. Because he started on the defensive side. That's right. And then yep. moved over yep. primarily that senior year to play in, uh, play in that fullback right. spot. And you're right. We were, we were able to break the wishbone and go to one wing or the double wing, do a lot of things. And, uh, but Ashton – you know, he became a workhorse. He came he on did. late. Yeah, he really durable, rare combination of, uh, and and I can remember um, talking to Coach Reed at Clemson when he came through, and he said, "Boy, twenty two is a good player." He said, "But uh, he's a little small." Yeah. And I said, "Coach, I'd never disagree with you. He's not small. He's short." <laughs> Yeah. But he wasn't small. Right. I mean, you know, he benched 360 and strong you know, legs. was a 4'4", four, 4'5 four, four, guy. Uh, just tremendous. And for us, we would rather have a running back, Yeah, you know, kind of like that. And uh, But, man, what a player. And then goes on to a great career at North Greenville. Well, then that, that team was special because you knew they were on the verge of doing something special. And you get to the game against Lamar. Uh, an upper state championship. They had a really good team that year. You felt like, again, that was kind of maybe the – might have been the state championship in a lot of ways. Right. Uh, One-score game. One I remember, score game. I remember with a minute and a half in the ball at midfield, Quay Watt on a fake punt gets the first, first down, down to ice it. Yeah. And got to give – that sly Coach Nichols, you know, he had that <laughs> fake punt package. He always He's keeps He's the master of the fake punt. That's right. And uh, – but, um, you know, we – when we beat Lamar, I yeah. think we felt like, hey, we can go win it. Yeah. And it was a little ironic in that <clears throat> we hadn't won it with Jimmy and Darrell and Javaggio and those guys, yeah. you know, Sammy Head and those guys. Um, and then here we are. They graduate and we go play for state championship, although we dropped yeah. down to class Yeah, they eight. definitely laid that foundation going into that That's season. Right. And we're a big part of that. And – you know, you go down there and you play at Benedict College in a great atmosphere. I remember the crowd. Because now, at that time, now you're looking at 14, 15 years since uh, the 96 team won it. And then, That's right. You know. Uh, and we had been close. Less than 10 years yep. since the, we went back to 2002. And then, so to go down there and you just felt different. Something about that game felt different from the very beginning. And, man, offense came out and played really well defensively. Keenan Gilchrist, Andrew Osborne, those guys. Man. Uh, held it down, and then you talked about the offensive line too. Uh, 
don't want to fail to mention Trey McAllister, Colton Lawless, those guys up front who were really big for us that year. You know, um, we had some bigger guys that, you know, we hit one with some undersized line. Right. And those guys, you could kind of see them coming in the, you know, the younger leagues and uh, would have to go down, you know, as one of the best offensive lines, I think. Yeah, we ever had. they were really Because good. not only were they big and strong, they were athletic and could pull and trap and whatever scheme you really wanted to yeah. run. And, uh, and could care less if they got the credit or right. not. And that's so lost, you know, uh, not only on a football team, but in today's world. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, I, I saw a couple of them at a couple games this year, so it's real cool to see them again because yeah. they're still caught up in the Abbeville tradition. Sure. And they carry it on and they talk about it and, uh, and then go on to 2011 and – Basically, most of that team comes back. You had lost some really good senior guys, but had a lot of young guys that stepped up. But the core group of that leadership, that senior class with Ashton and uh, and, and Reggie Thomas. That's right. Reggie, to me, was he was the modern-day Neil Dawson. That's right. Because he was a guy that could play anywhere on the field if yeah. he wanted to. He could he could line up and play quarterback. He could play wing back. He could do Swiss it all. Swiss Army knife. He was. He really was. And uh, super talented guy. Had a great career at Furman. Yeah. And um, – and, you know, we talk about a lot of these guys along the way. A lot of these guys are coaching now. A lot of that's these right. guys are yeah. on the sideline yeah. now. And I think that's that's the beauty of what Abbeville is, is that coaching tree that's and right. how it expands with these guys now that are out there and, and doing it for some of these programs. But um, So that was the first school repeat, 2010. That's right. And that 2011. one, although we returned some guys, it wasn't easy. I think we beat a good Chesterfield team oh, really here good. in the upper state. Coach Tannehill. You know, Coach Tannehill, you know, we were – we snuck by that one, and then <clears throat> the next week against Hemingway, I remember the Hemingway coach said that we three-yarded them to death. They didn't I, get the ball. They didn't get the ball, and I remember <laughs> Stan Olenek, Stan told me after the game immediately when it was over, he said, I don't, I don't really believe I've seen anything like that. And uh, I said, what do you mean? It was 20 to nothing or whatever. He said, yeah, but on my watch, y'all had the ball for one hour and 10 minutes. <laughs> You had a 90-yard drive to end the half, came out and had another one, yeah. kicked off to them. They fumbled the first play or whatever. Yeah. We get it back. Y'all overcome like three holding calls to have like a 15-play, 32-yard drive. And he said, elapsed time on my watch was an hour and 10 minutes. Yeah, and, uh, that's crazy. So, you know, you, when you're going through it, you don't think about it. But, uh, well, it's 20 up, but it, even with, when we scored it in the first half, it felt like that was enough. That's right. Because our defense sure was so locked in. Yeah. And I guess I guess that was uh, Kelly Bryant had got injured. And Tay-Tay. And Tay-Tay steps up, and uh, we never miss a beat. Yeah. You know, and he really played big in the state championship game, and he was another Swiss Army knife. He was, he was the same way. Yeah, same he was way. the same way. Yeah. And, and I, me and Kelly talked about this, and he had a big part. He had a great season that year. Uh, stepped really up did. and leading the team and had a, just a tough injury against yeah. Chesterfield. Tried to go. He did. And, uh, yeah. But – you just you were thankful wouldn't have you been there guy. without him, right? You, you yeah. thankful you had a guy who could come in like Martin, and then you go in, and then you have a really good group of seniors, and uh, really had to battle some adversity, a lot of injuries in 2012, a couple of tough losses in that year, but find a way to get back, and man, just back. ran into a Buzz steamroll steamroller in uh, Bishop, Bishop England, who to this day, and I, you know, a lot of people, you know, I've seen enough football to where I feel like I'm a novice. But I always say the teams that 
stand out to me are the teams who are well-disciplined and are good in fundamentals. And they might have been one of the best fundamentally sound football teams I've ever seen. I would agree. They, they're disciplined. They're high-disciplined. It was like they were in the backfield with us <laughs> most of that game. All the way around. Um, ran the triple option really well. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I think hit us with uh, a little rocket sweep pass early in the game that set the stage kind of similar to the one that we threw against Gray right. a couple of weeks ago. And we never really get over it. You know, we, yeah. we were able to move the ball. But uh, I tell you, a big thing in that game is we were shut out. And that hadn't happened much. Uh-uh. And um, uh, But you just could You could feel it in those kids because that senior class was right. real special. They were they had already made history looking to be That's a three-peat right. team. And yep. I remember uh, when Coach Nick took Keenan out of the game. He didn't want to come. He didn't want to come, and he was just bawling his eyes out because right. he just not he did not yeah. want to get off that field. And Nick spoke almost to had his to character. grab him. That's right. Yeah, and nothing, you know, over the edge sure. or anything. He just, you know, he didn't didn't want to take that uniform off. Yeah, and uh, always played like his hair was on fire, you know, and uh, just. Uh, but I told him, I said, if you bottled up what he had and multiplied it times twenty two, that's all you needed that's to win. Right. Because right. his passion was, yeah. and and I see a lot of that, like with a guy like Luke yeah. Evans now, yeah. who plays with that same passion and just comp- competitive and. And another thing, Leah, maybe that we failed to mention <clears throat> for a while, even with some good teams, we didn't have as many players going on to college and playing at the next level. But all those names that we just mentioned yeah. did, you know. Yeah. Um, Had Quay great Gilders, careers. Quay Wide, Ashton Hurd, Brian Brown. Brian Brown. You know, um, you know, we have uh, certainly I think achieved some status in that regard yeah. too. And that's and put a lot, I think, on their pedigree too. That's because right. Absolutely. Because where we are now and how much of a brand Abbeville has been that's right. uh become here in these last few years. Um so Going to 2013, have a tough transition. Kelly makes a decision to, to, to leave and go to Wren, and we basically kind of have to rebuild because you lose a senior class that's been to three state championships and have been involved so long. That's a hard, big gap to fill back up. So we had a lot of raw talent, a lot of super young guys that had to build it, and a young kid by the name of Joseph Battle who had to step up, uh, who might have been in that position at some point, but had to step up and – Called upon and a guy like Vivi yeah. DeBose. That's right. Who probably had to, step had to up. throw them both out there unfairly. To right. And, but I think two years later they would say they learned a lot of value. Well, right. Lessons. They they kind of like with the you know much like with the the eighty nine team going into ninety one and then you know these teams like that two thousand eight nine going into two thousand ten. They had to go through those tough pains. That's right. And I feel like, you know, that senior class, they they came together strong. And I remember going down to Batesburg. Batesburg had won the state the year before and beat us pretty good earlier in the season. We go down there and, and knock them off uh, right. down at Batesburg. And those guys were a part of that. And I felt like that was the that was a changing point right there That's for right. those guys. And um, take us to that era, that yeah. 2015 team, which – that Batesburg win. That Batesburg win was crazy. I mean, you you lose in week eight, 42 to nothing, to a team <laughs> that is the number one seed, and two or three weeks later, you go to their home field and beat right. them in overtime. 
I mean, those things just don't happen yeah. without great kids that believe and a head coach giving you a lot of leadership to <laughs> be able to snap them back and say, hey, we can win, yeah. you know, and um, just, uh, but yeah, a lot of lessons learned that carried us forward. Because the guys like Battle and Doobie and, um, you know, and just Khalil Fuller, who had suffered a bad injury that That's year. Right. Yeah. And so he comes back his senior year. And, man, I, you oh, talked man. about Josh Coates earlier being an underrated player. I think was, Khalil was one of my favorite players I would during agree. that run because 21. he was one of the best blocking backs that we've had in a long time. Yeah, and not just – Sell out. Yeah, not just one block on a play. Maybe decleat two to three guys right. on, on the same snap. You know, and just um, – unselfish extra effort was a good athlete and a good ball carrier in his own right yeah you know and but uh high character great student uh just light up a room and um man you can but just he went through it. that adversity again he and, did he did they, they all shared in that and i believe i think it was dubia told me after that strong thermal game which we lost up there i think it was a rainy night just didn't play very well and they said, we're not going to have that feeling again. And, man, they just they right. made that a point to – and that was a tough year, too, for, for the playoff-wise because that was when we went to two, uh, two, two state champions. Yeah, right. So we basically had to beat everybody in the playoffs we played twice. That's right. <laughs> including yeah. Silver Bluff in the championship. Yeah. I remember that loss at Strom Thurmond. They had a good team. I think they – we didn't win the region. Yeah. They won the region. They won the region. Seems like they moved the game to a Thursday at 5 o'clock ahead of a storm or something. And, um, you know, you don't want to make excuses. But we didn't play well. But we really bounced back well. Yeah. And then got the big win against Batesburg. I think Junior Raptor scores. That's right. And that end zone always had special plays down there. And that was that end zone. Yeah, with seconds left. Yep. Gets the win. And um, we talked about all these great running backs and these backfields and at this point, again, the offense has evolved, and and you know, let me let me certainly give credit where credit's due. Tony Temple has right. come on board from Greenwood. Yeah, he's been at Greenwood, been coaching over there, right. been, been a part the defensive of some good, coordinator at Greenwood. Had some great players that he and, was a part of over at right. Greenwood. And then Tony comes over to the offensive side and really was able to help me bring in some ideas. Um, Really and really expanded things. Oh yeah, widening the scope of our passing game. Um, you know, all those years I had kind of coached quarterbacks and running backs and wide receivers and everything. Yeah. And uh, but with Tony, um, just a tremendous young coach who had been in big battles. Mm-hmm. You know, at the upper levels of high school football, was just a tremendous acquisition for us. And <clears throat> you know, his fingerprint is Still certainly on, on everything yeah. that we do. And. Um, Man, talking about the backs that we've had over the years, we get two backs that come along during that little run there that just were so special, but totally different than norm than what we've had before. T.J. Rogers and Junior Rapley, two guys that um, – I'm taller than both of them. Yeah, if you looked and at you, them, you're thinking they're, they're like point guards for a basketball that's team. Right. Yeah. Wow, T.J. Rogers. Both of them. And Junior both were such competitive guys, but, man, they were just difference makers. You felt like every time they touched it, they were going to score. Yeah, the the jet sweep or the speed sweep and the rocket sweep, our scheme was made for both of them. Wow. Yeah. I mean, they just, uh, you know, uh, really took to it. And like you said, just, you know, gave you a chance to 
hit a home run every time they touched it. And they were not only good at running it, but Catching part it of the, the offense was evolved right. in getting the backs involved in the passing That's game, right. which yeah. is something that, you know, I always say a little bit of this offense maybe with some of those teams in the oh, past, man. you're thinking yeah. about some of the things that might have would have happened. That's right. And you know it's a hindsight thing, but but that's really I remember the catches he made, uh, you know, against Batesburg. Batesburg in 2016. T.J. makes those big catches in that game. That's right. We hop in the wishbone down at Sherall and move him out, to split in, and just throw just <laughs> fake outside power, and and he just goes up goes like up he's out, a six-five kid, takes it, goes, and he's gone. <laughs> I mean, just almost like stealing, right? You know, and then like you said, makes a great catch. Um, from Jamie yep. down in the state championship game, gets his feet down, yep. big turning point in the game. And, and those guys, just to me, they were they were epitome of, of, of what the team was about at that time. And so competitive, so good. Just just love watching, going back and watching those old games, just love watching those guys play. Um, and the quarterbacks at that time, you know, as we go through that time period and you, we go on to win four straight state championships, which at the time just still to me is just an amazing feat for any school to do it. But, you know, for Abbeville with the success that we've been blessed with, it was just such a time that, you know, I remember telling people, enjoy this, enjoy this, because you just don't do this all the time. And to do that at the time with four different quarterbacks, because you talked about you've always had a special relationship with not only the running backs, but with these quarterbacks. quarterbacks. And so you get a guy like Joe Battle, uh, who he comes started in, it. Yep. Kelly Bryant, who kind of started it, and then Joe Battle, and then you get Jamie Gray, who might have been – Came out of nowhere. Might have been one of the smoothest passers um, in that system that we've had to this point. Slow heartbeat. Never. Yep. Had had a little bit of a baseball background, too, so he we, we started going some hurry up, no huddle. Yeah. He read signals so well. He would signal back to me do we want to pull a guard or whatever right here and just yeah. great communicator slow heartbeat um but pinpoint accuracy yeah uh, and came out of nowhere and coach t seems like we were seven on seven on air pass he was at receiver and he picked it up and threw it yeah. back he said who threw that because he and played so, receiver the year before that's right that was so, the process yeah. it was yeah. you play receiver and then the next year you quarterback Bryce same Jackson, <laughs> same thing yeah and so that was just kind of the evolution of it. And, That's right. But he was so smooth because, again, it wasn't so much about, you know, he could tuck it and run it. He could give you that RPO. But, he could. But, man, just having those backs and making the catches, you know, we talked about, you know, you know Joe. Joe, I thought his passing really evolved, too. And you have a guy really like Trey Belton who's on the outside. Matchup nightmare. Nobody could touch him. Yeah. And so it just evolved to have all these weapons for these guys. So Joe and then Jamie – who does a great job in that 2016 year, beats a pretty good Batesburg team that year. And then the evolution, you talk about Bryce Jackson, who made some unbelievable catches at receiver. And then here's a guy who's a baseball guy too, but comes in great talented athlete, comes in that quarterback spot. And I would think out of those years, that 2017 year was the toughest year because, man, we battled a lot, yeah, a lot Bryce, of adversity that year. That's right. Bryce got banged up. Lost Courtney Jackson, Lost, oh, who God. had – an unbelievable game in 2016, and tore his knee up against Hartsville uh, up at Newberry College. That was the only game they lost that year. That's right. And uh, Bryce, Bryce pretty much played the whole year, right. banged up the rest of the year. Junebug kind of put us on his shoulders when you know he became that durable guy where he yeah. had to get some more touches. Yeah. And uh, he was banged up a little bit too. So we, you're right, we battled a lot of adversity, but. Uh, 
man, the personality of that team overcame and just wouldn't be denied. And then that game against Bamberg that year was a war. They matched our speed. That kind of reminded me of what the games were probably like in the 80s and 70s. <laughs> it's just a physical game. My wife said it's like when the kid let the punt bounce and picked it up and took it in for score. They kind of thought it was over. Right. And our guys turned it up a notch. Right, responded. I think that was the wake-up call. And then we get a we get a big drive. Jermaine Blackwell, who just – he was banged up that game too and ran really, really hard. He, yeah. And, oh, man, um, that's another unsung guy. Another under, underrated guy. And – and then Junior gets to gets the big touchdown after special teams turnover. That's right, get the fumble um, on the kickoff. And we get that three peat. And That's that right. that felt good that year because it just Brian Sanders. No uh, uh Dooley. Dooley on Dooley Sanders on the reverse. Gets gets Skype for play of the game. That's right. And then <laughs> Junebug finishes the drive with a great run and fourteen seven game in an era of high scoring offenses. Right. You know, you don't right. see that as much anymore, but Man, get the three peak. And then that and then and then you come back to 2018, you get Courtney Jackson back. And I, I can't think of enough good things to talk about with this guy because you know we knew how good he was. He, he had a little bit of potential because uh Khalil was the main one of the main guys in that backfield and, and Courtney Absolutely. got some reps, but that sophomore year he had a big year, big state championship game, and then he misses that that season with with the injury, but man, he comes back and I still there. think he's probably pound for pound for me. He's probably one of the best of all time. I um, would agree because and, of what he could do. And you know, you think back, um, he was just a um, human highlight film every yeah. Friday night, and saved his best for last. Yeah, maybe the single most <laughs> electrifying. You'd have to go back to the Chesney game, sure, back in '91 that we've previously talked about, but kick return at Southside Christian. Yeah. Just unbelievable. Because, you know, Courtney came out and he had a mission that year. He, That's right. He, he was on a yeah. mission that I'm year. Back. And um, J.D. Moore, who came in the year before, talked about quarterbacks, who came in and Chirac. We, we talked about that 2017. A lot of people don't realize that probably the two toughest defenses during that time that we ever played in that four-peat span was that Sherrall defense and that Bamberg defense. That's right. yeah. and we were bru- bruised and battered playing against them. And J.D. comes in for Bryce and that night, yeah. makes a big play or two in that game to lead sure us to did. the win. Sure. And now he comes Been in. In reverse in that game to Junior. Right. Got the big play there. And then uh, J.D. Uh, gets, to, gets to run. And you got him and, and Dooley and Dominic Washington and Courtney. And again, it's just pick your poison. You always say that when you play an Abbeville team. Pick your poison. Who are you going to focus on? What are you going to try to do? Because you can't stop everything. That's right. That's the success right there. He's like, you can't stop it all. And those guys, man, Dooley Sanders, unbelievable. I thought his daddy was fast. I believe he was a little bit faster than his daddy. I don't know if his daddy would be mad about that or not. But Maybe the fastest kid. He might have been the fastest kid we've ever had. Yeah. Um, I mean, just uh... – and JD, I remember in the state championship game against Barnwell, the first touchdown drive, we run quarterback power on a third and short and don't block it right. And the backers standing there free, and JD runs over the top of it and scores. Yeah. I mean, you're trying to get one yard, and all of a sudden you're up seven. <laughs> and not who's calling the plays, but it wasn't really a good call, and yeah. he makes it special. Yeah. You know, so. But yeah, and those guys. And he was just, a great kid. Talking about a great kid too. He was a leader. That's right. Competitor. Tony's input. You know, we could take them and move them out sure. wide. The screen game, getting the ball to Dooley, um, just unfair yeah. at times. And 
But man, what a run that four years there. I mean, just thinking about those guys right. and, um, and and the talent that was there. And defensively, you know, with, with Nate Temple, you know, being such a good leader and Wody Goodwin and those guys and Tay Rayford and a lot of those guys yeah. who were just so good at leadership. And like you said, a lot of nights, instead of getting 57, would have been enough. Right. But – you know, we had that special recipe of playmakers on both sides. Because you remember that year in 2018, that it might have been the most dominant offensive team we've ever had. That's right. Because we we were scoring four or five plays, and those guys would be sitting for the second half. That's right. And then yeah. we played Southside Christian. You talked about that game. And uh, we go to Lincoln County to start the season. Have the yeah, have the tie game, the infamous right. tie game. Yeah. yeah. And uh, but. That Southside Christian game and Courtney makes that return, and mm. you know we've we've had some big special teams plays in history, but that was that's number one in my opinion. There's nothing greater than that play, and and the, the thing I always love about it to this day, and even when I shared the video a couple of weeks ago about it, was the fact that it was on our sideline where he he was coming toward our sideline. Yeah, I remember thinking Tyrell Haddon was was the first guy that got a block for him. I yeah. remember that too. That's right. Maybe the only block of the return. Only, only block he, kind of, he kind of set it up himself, and I was thinking we got a great kicker in Dylan. Yeah. If we can find a way to get it down there and kick the field goal, and about that time he's coming down right in front of me, and you're thinking, well, we're going to be in field goal range, and then he makes that last cut. The funny thing about that, I remember we needed the uh, the difference in the score was so that we needed to go for two. Yeah. And I went to Jamie and said, we need to take a timeout. And he said, I don't want to take a timeout. I said, we got to go for two. And he said, but I don't want to take a timeout. And I said, we got to go for two. And he said, just send a play in. And I said, I can't. The whole team is in the end zone. <laughs> and so all 50-whatever yeah. were in the end zone yeah. celebrating. Yeah. And probably some of our coaches, too. And yeah. it was all I could do not to go out there. Right. Because uh, as, as Larry Munson once greatly said, God, there's an eternity on the clock because they still had time. That's right. They Absolutely. had time to get the ball and, uh, and had a great team and great quarterback yeah. themselves. Shula gets his hand on the fourth down play and right. knocks it down. Yep. Just had playmakers everywhere. Yeah. You so uh, great run there. And, uh, man, speaking of great runs, man, I, I've, I've, I've taken up – a lot of your time here and so gracious that's for you okay to, it's been great it's been it's fun because it's just like you and i sitting here talking i've been answering texts to my family as we talk <laughs> sherry says i can't multitask but it looks like i did you're trying to do that um but last thing i want to kind of wrap up here with and we, we kind of started this interview talking about this team and, and we don't know yet as of this recording what the outcome is going to be but when you go back and look at this team, what's going to stand out about this team to you that, that we had this year? And, and really, only playing 10 regular season games, but 10-0, and, and, and just special for a lot of reasons, but with everything right. that we've dealt with, too. I think uh, what stands out to me is um, their consistency. Um, they didn't let the COVID deal bother them. Right. They came uh, – we all know how last season ended – and uh, they came back kind of on a revenge tour. Yeah. Uh, the whole year we've, we've gotten great leadership from our seniors. Um, and then some guys that we were concerned about got on board and exceeded expectations. And uh, when that happens, it's real cool to coach. Yeah, and, uh, and they get it. 
That's right. And, and they had the maturity too. That's there. right. Because that, that group has gone through a lot. They have. On and, and off the field, but they come together at the right time. That's and right. They, the focus, the focus has been laser sharp. That's right. Like we mentioned, 90% of them don't have a ring. Yeah. And there's not a lot of young football players in Abbeville that don't have a ring. Yeah. So uh, they've been hungry. And I know uh, for you it's been special because you got to coach Will Buford in baseball. That's right, yeah. And being able to be around Thomas now. Who's his done a great year, job. Who's been yeah. solid all year long. You know, last year we were able to use him when we moved J.D. to wing some mm-hmm. and then used J.D. some in the Wildcat. But Thomas has really developed, um, real, really headsy, kind of knows what we want to do before we do it sometimes. Yeah. Um, Coach Botch used to say playing quarterbacks all about making good decisions. He's, he's he's made good ones. I think we were kidding him the other day all but one time. He threw a pick <laughs> at Crescent. Probably should have ran that ball. But uh, he's orchestrated things, been the point guard, got it to the right people, and made a lot of great throws and runs for us. Yeah. Well, it's been a special season, and uh, I say this all the time when me and you talk, but I'm, I'm very blessed to know you. I'm thankful to know you, thankful for our friendship for over these years and what you've meant for our family. But just thank you for... I mean, for the service to these kids. So many kids, so many relationships that you've been a part of. And um, I guess if we come back and do a trifecta here, our next topic was going to have to be Andy Griffith Show and maybe some wrestling. Hey, we can do that. We, we might have to do an Andy Griffith Show wrestling kind of combo. That's right. And, yeah. Uh, maybe we can do it from the confines of your man cave that you got under we construction. We can do that. Yeah, it's about ready. <laughs> uh, the TV's up, and I've all, already watched several episodes of Andy Griffith out there. Um, but I'd look forward to it. Yeah, let me ditto those thoughts. I appreciate, uh, like I said before, Abbeville's been a great place to – live and work and raise a family and have friends like you guys have made it all that more worthwhile well we certainly appreciate it and uh, that's been coach mark smith here giving us some great great thoughts and memories from many years of service here with abbeville football and uh, we hope you guys come back and uh, listen to some more podcasts down the road we try to get some more interviews lined up but we hope you enjoyed this one pass it along and share it to a lot of people here some good stuff and uh, coach again thank you so much and uh, Let's get that state championship. I agree. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Hope we get the opportunity. All right, folks. Y'all stay safe out there. Take care of each other, and God bless.